0: Have you ever had a door slammed in your face? Doors, gates, um, entranceways, that's what we're talking about today. Have you ever had a a door slammed in your face? Maybe literally somebody angry, maybe it was a strong spring on the hinge that um, slammed it in your face, maybe it was metaphorically speaking, an opportunity that seemed like it was there and bang, slammed in your face. Or have you ever had one of those dreams where you have all these different doors to choose from. Behind one is a raging tiger. (laughs) Behind another is a dark abyss, a black hole that's just going to suck you into nothingness. And behind another is all you've ever wanted, and you have to choose which door, and do you know which one to push, or do you risk it? We talk about doors. I mean, we go through probably hundreds every single day. We talk about them metaphorically as opportunities, or when they're closed, they're opportunities missed. Uh, we talk about decisions for the future in terms of like, oh, I'm going to just push that door and see if it happens. We talk about, well, choice paralysis. It's it's a thing where there are too many options to choose from and you just don't know which door to push. You don't know where to begin. Metaphors run our lives. Our language is just full of them. If you want to think a bit more about metaphors generally, I kind of mentioned these the last few weeks. And um, This is a really helpful book uh, written by George Lakoff and Mark Johnson. It's called Metaphors We Live By. It's really, really helpful. I don't think that they're Christians, they're just interesting people who think about how metaphors rule our lives. The, the one that they start the book with is that arguments are war. We talk about arguments like that. So I win or I lose an argument. I might destroy somebody's position. They might make my arguments seem weak. So we talk about argument as war and they suggest, well wouldn't life be different if you talked about arguments as a dance? where instead of trying to fight and win and wrestle and kind of destroy someone, instead there were rules that centered around beauty and around um, looking after each other, around doing something and creating something constructive rather than destructive. Would we think about our discussions with others in politics, in daily life, in family life, in your school PTA? Um, with the local council. If you thought of those discussions as dances rather than arguments, as um, constructive things rather than opportunities for destruction and victory and, and loss, wouldn't that change the way that we lived? You see, metaphors aren't just about language. They're in our language, of course they are, but they also shape the way that we live, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about the world, the way we see everything, and so the way we act. So what does it mean that Jesus is the door. How would that change the way that we thought about him? Let me read you the passage for this week. There's, well, metaphorical and literal doors in all sorts of places in our lives. And Jesus comes along and says this, "'Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. "'All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, "'but the sheep have not listened to them. "'I am the gate. "'Whoever enters through me will be saved they'll be safe. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Shall i read that to you again if you wanted to look it up in your Bible. It's John chapter 10, verse 7. There's so much in these few verses. Let me read it, just make sure we catch it. Therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. We're the sheep, he's the gate. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says he's a gate. He's the door. What kind of a door? Well, the only door. That's the first thing we're going to look at today. Is the only door for the sheep, if you want what he can give. If you want all that he is, if you want if you want really to know life and safety, you need to know Jesus. He's the only gate. And then, like I just said, he's the gate to safety and he's the gate to life, true life. Three things that we're going to look at today. Jesus is a gate. Well, like I said, gates, um, gates are things that open and shut. Gates are opportunities and they're risks. I wonder what kind of gates or doors you've been pushing recently. I wonder what it is you've been looking for and where you've been looking for it. I wonder if safety is something that you've been you've been yearning for. Uh, through the pandemic times, maybe you found yourself really nervous, really shy to go out, and thinking an awful lot about safety, about security, about peace, about having rest. I wonder what doors you're pushing to try and get that kind of safety, that kind of inner confidence and rest. I wonder if it's doctor's doors, literally. Trying to find treatment, trying to find... Um, something that'll help you get through the day. I wonder if it's other people who you're kind of using them as doors, and not necessarily in the wrong way, but you know, pushing on relationships and trying to get through others, the safety that you need, or um, I know what else it might be. Maybe it's literally the door in your house that you've redone, fixed the windows, done the door, got the security system installed, and you feel like your house is now a place where you're at rest, where you're safe, where is your castle. You're safe in there. I wonder what doors you've been pushing to to seek for safety or it might be belonging for you. Maybe you're trying to belong and so you've been pushing on doors, places to go, to study, um, communities to be a part of, relationships or friendships or family stuff that you're investing in, Kind of doors that you're pushing on to see whether through there might be belonging or it might be forgiveness. I wonder if you've been pushing on certain things to get you forgiveness. I wonder if you've been inflicting pain on yourself. I wonder if you've been, um, I don't know, going to this book or going to that healer or that mystical person or that church, trying to find forgiveness, pushing doors. You see, we do that all the time, don't we? There are things that we really want, things that we think will give us life, things that we think will give us safety, and and life in in all of its fullness, belonging, forgiveness, joy, peace, hope, all sorts of different things that we want, and we push on doors to get them. And Jesus says, if you want life to the full, if you want to really be safe, even through death, then I am the door. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And this is the picture. Okay, In Jesus's day, so all the commentaries tell you, I am not a shepherd and I am definitely not an ancient shepherd. So just from my reading and chatting to different people who do look after sheep, Today, Um, sheep in these days would be kept in a fold, right, with a bit of a high wall so they can't jump over it or climb out. And there'd be one gate in that fold, kind of big circular wall. Sometimes it would be small up on a hillside just for a little flock. Sometimes it would be a big one with proper gates that would lock and have a guard for the gate. And Jesus is saying, it's a pretty easy metaphor, isn't it? I'm the gate. If you want to get into the safety of the sheepfold, if you want to leave that sheepfold and go out, to green, good pastures where there's life to the full, where there's trickling, babbling brooks of clean water, where there's full, rich pasture land to feed on, where you'll have a shepherd watching out for wolves and lions taking care of you. If you want that safety, if you want that life, then I am the gate. There's not multiple gates in this sheepfold. It's only me. See, this is one of the controversial things that Christians believe. The controversial things that Jesus says, we'll see it even clearer in a few weeks time when we get to him saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is really exclusive. He says, I am the door and there's no other doors to get into true lasting safety that'll even keep you safe beyond death. There's no other way except for me. True life in all of its fullness, you need to come to the giver of life, right? To the maker of life, to the inventor of joy and peace. And all of these things, the one who's had it from before this creation existed, where do you get that? Well, it's God. And there's only one maker. There's only one father. There's only one Jesus who can bring us to safety, to life. And so there's only one door for sheep like you and me. That's a bit of a controversial thing, isn't it? To say that other religions, while they might teach you some true things, while they all maybe going to reflect something true about the world because they're part of the world that God has made, they aren't going to lead you to life. Or full life anyway. Or true real safety through death. In fact, they're going to put you in great danger. Jesus says that here, doesn't he? All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. If you have a nose for true life and true safety, you'll have intuited by now that those mediums that you can you can find on Facebook and go and see, that there's just not there's no, there's just something not quite right about that that there isn't true fullness of truth and hope and love and joy and life in its fullness isn't there. Even if there's something there, it's not It's not really safety. It's not really life. There must be another door. Maybe you've tried other religions. Maybe you've got into Buddhism and meditation or, um, I don't know, Islam with all of its rules that make you do fe- feel quite safe. Or maybe it's I don't know, modern religion that you made up for yourself, some kind of paganism or, um, I don't know, a mixture of astrology and self-help stuff that you found on Instagram. I don't know. I wonder if you've intuited yet, though, There are all these different ways that will promise you life in its fullness, whether that's in your body or soul care stuff for your soul or stuff that will help your finances or your relationships or get you that job you've always dreamed for. I wonder if you've spotted yet that it doesn't quite carry the weight that you want it to, that it, that it it's a gate that doesn't really lead to life in its fullness. Maybe it leads somewhere that seems good for a while, but it's not this. It's not what Jesus is offering. And so Jesus is speaking to a specific context. It's worth remembering that as well. To a context, if you read the beginning of chapter 10, he's speaking to the Pharisees. They were religious leaders at the time. Lots of other religious too, leaders too, but these were really serious. Whole lists of rules that you could keep that would get you closer to God, that would... Uh, bring God's favour and blessing that would make him listen to your prayers, that kind of thing. People who are very serious about religion, but Jesus is saying those guys, even those guys, are like thieves and robbers. If you read chapter 9, you could go back, if you've got John's gospel there, and read the story, tragic story of a blind man who Jesus heals, but he happens to have done it on the wrong day or so the religious people think. And so they make a big fuss. They drag this poor guy who's been blind for birth, but Jesus has healed him, drag him before a religious court, and they give him a really hard time. And then they drag his parents in, and they're like giving them a really hard time. And they eventually, they kick him out of the synagogue because this guy is trusting in, hoping in, believing in Jesus who's healed him. They kick him out of the religious community, out of the synagogue. And Jesus is speaking to those guys. And he's saying, all those people who've come before me, If they're leading you away from me, if they're throwing you out of communities because of me, well, what are they like then? They're thieves. They're robbers. They're people who will lead you to death. They'll steal. They'll kill. They'll destroy. They think that they're doors. They think they're leading you to life, but push that door, walk through it, and you do that at a great risk to yourself. Go after other religions. You go after even stuff that that seems like like serious religion that, that even takes the Bible pretty seriously, like these Pharisees do. Jesus says it can lead you to death if it's not leading you to him. Uh, and that sounds pretty controversial. I guess it is, right? Um, but it also just makes sense. If Jesus really is the one who's the author of life and you walk away from him, you're pushing doors that don't lead to him, then they're leading away from life. And away from life is death. And so Jesus says, it's not just me saying it, it's not just Christians. Um, you have to go to Jesus and bring your complaints, your doubts, your questions to him and say, are you really the only door? Okay, that's the exclusive thing about the door, but it's also, if you think about it, radically inclusive. Because if there's only one door to true life, there's only one door to safety, then everybody can go through it. There's only one option, it means it's, it's the only option for everyone. And so Jesus says in other places, go to every corner of the world. He's calling his followers. He says, go to every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, to men and women, to poor and rich, to all sorts of people in all sorts of situations, religious, unreligious, people who don't even believe him. Go to everyone and tell them that you've met the gate. You've met the one who can give you life to the full, who can give it to you because he laid down his own life. Do you see, it's it's one gate, so it's exclusive. But it's one gate, so it's inclusive of everyone. It excludes all other gates, but it includes every person on the earth who'll come and find him, who'll come and say to Jesus, Lord, I want life with you. I want your kind of safety. I want you. That's what Jesus says to us, that he is the only gate. But because he's the only gate, he's the only gate you need. You, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you come from, you can come to know Jesus and come through him to find safety. That's the second thing, right? He's the only gate, but he's the gate to safety. I am the gate, verse 9. Whoever enters me through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a shepherd taking the sheep out of safety, to safety in the pasture that he's chosen, to safety? at the river where he knows it's safe to drink, to safety in the cool of the forest, where he knows there's no wild animals because he's destroyed them once and for all. It's safe to be with Jesus. He's the one who who saves us from our enemies, from sin, even from death itself. Jesus is the one who keeps us safe. Well, how, how do you know that? Because he's the one who's cleared out all our enemies, not just metaphorically, not just in our imaginations, Not just in knocking down the objections of like religious people who lived 2,000 years ago, but because he's destroyed our our greatest enemy, which is death. And he's, he's pulled out the teeth of our greatest accuser, like adversary, who is Satan. And he's taken away our biggest problem, which is our own sin and the darkness in our own hearts. How did he do that? Well, he did it by dying for us. We'll see this even more clearly next week when Jesus says he's the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But at the moment, he's the gate, right? He's the gate who leads you into safety. So let's do a little bit of Old Testament Bible to help us see this more clearly. How is Jesus the gate who brings us to safety? Well, where do you think of or hear of gates first in scripture? Think of You've got to think of the Garden of Eden. Okay, in the Garden of Eden, when man and woman sin and turn against God, God sends them out of the garden, out of the gate towards the east, east of Eden. And they're not allowed back through that gate. There's a great angelic, Uh, guard that he's put across the gate okay they're not allowed back into the safety of the garden of his presence they're locked outside they turn against him turn away from life and that's that's the history of humanity far away from God living at a kind of perpetual going out and never really being able to come back in and find safety and peace and forgiveness and real lasting joy that we want we're always kind of feeling on the outside outside of a friendship group outside of safety, outside of our own hopes and dreams, outside of life. Do you ever feel that, that we live east of Eden? That's where it all begins. And so the whole of the Bible story really is, is the question of like, whether we'll ever get back in. And if if we do, then how does it happen? How do you get through that gate back to Eden, back to God's presence, back to where you belong, back to where you can just be clean and live forever with him? How do you get back? Do you see what Jesus is saying? saying he's the gate back to life. But there's another gate, okay? There's the gate of Eden, which is shut to us. And then there's the temple. Years and years and years later, the people of Israel built the temple under God's instruction. And in the middle of the temple was a little box cube room, which was sealed off by a really thick, heavy curtain. And on that curtain uh, was uh, embroidered like big pictures of angels with swords, right? So what's that a picture of? Well, the, the box room is where God's presence dwells. It's the holy of holies. It's the place where God lives in the middle of the temple. But you're not allowed in. Only, the only person allowed in is the high priest once a year on one day. After a very special ceremony, you can go back and read it. On the day of atonement, he's allowed to go in, but nobody else, only him and only on one day of the year. So it's like Eden, right? God's presence, that place of safety, of belonging with him, of life to the full, of safety cut off from us by this giant curtain and then okay Eden shut temple curtain center of it where God lives shut and then something really interesting happens when Jesus comes and he's 33 odd years of age and eventually we'll get to this story around Easter time they crucify him and lift him up on a cross and the world goes dark there's a great earthquake and something rips in half I don't know if you know the story, maybe not, but it's in that temple, this great thick curtain with the angels embroidered on it with their fiery swords that is the picture of that door that's been shut in Eden, shut in the temple. What happens when Jesus dies? It rips in two. The curtain, really weird story, you can go read it um, in the Gospels. When Jesus dies, the curtain tears from top to bottom. It's like God has torn it from heaven downwards and opened up his presence, opened up that holy of holies opened up Eden again so that humans like me and you, not just super special high priests on one day of the year, but you and me, sinners, people with weaknesses, people with suffering, people who have turned away from God, that we can actually turn back and walk through that curtain into his presence every day and be his children. <laughs> you see, Jesus is the gate because he dies out in darkness where we should be you know, away from god's presence because we turn away from him and go through all sorts of other doors but jesus is the one whose life himself who is the gate but he's the one who's out in darkness so that we can open so that we can have the way open and be back in his presence do you see how that works let me read you a couple of new testament verses just to show you that i'm not making it up hebrews chapter 10 uh, verse 20 says that or 19 says brother and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place that inner room By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. His body is the way, he's the gate. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he's our priest as well as our gate, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from guilt. We're forgiven, we belong, we're safe, we can be in God's presence because of Jesus. He's the gate. There's another verse in Ephesians 2 that says we're together together. Jews and Gentiles, people from all corners of the earth, man, woman, poor and rich, everyone together have come to the Father through Jesus, the Son. Do you see where safety is? Do you see where life to the full is? It's in God's presence through Jesus, who's the gate. That's really all I've got for you this week. That's what Jesus means. We're sheep. What do sheep do? I was chatting to a shepherd this week. He said sheep tend towards two things. They try and kill themselves or they try and get themselves lost. That's what sheep seem to love to do. Throw themselves uh, over fences, get themselves tangled up in barbed wire, find a pond to try and drown themselves. Sheep, so my shepherd friend says, just seem prone to get themselves into danger. We need a shepherd to come and rescue us. We need a safe gate to bring us into safety. We need somebody good to lead us back through that gate out to pasture where we'll live life to the full forever. That's who Jesus is. kind of mixing our metaphors, aren't we? He's the shepherd who leads us in and out. He's the gate and we go in and out with him. That's actually an Old Testament picture as well. You can go read the Psalms. Like Psalm 120, 121 talks about God watching over our going out and our coming in. It's in all sorts of other places in the Old Testament as well. It's about perfect peace and perfect safety, where you're not afraid to lock the doors at night, where you know that God is with you always, that even death can't touch you. It's that kind of confidence. My going out As I go about my day, his presence is with me. As I come in to the people of God on a Sunday morning, as I go to bed, he's with me. I'm safe. As I get out to work, as I'm with my family, as I'm out to the doctor to hear that news I've always dreaded, I'm safe in his presence because he's the gate and I've walked through him. So he's the gate to safety, safety in the presence of the Father, safety with God. He's the gate towards Eden can think a lot more about that towards heaven as well, even through death and out the other side. But he's the one who's the gate to fullness of life. Did you hear that at the end? This is our third thing. We're running out of time, but let's try and have a quick go at it anyway. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What would fill up your life? What's emptied your life? What would you need to put back in it again to give you life to the full? Would it be those things I mentioned at the beginning? Forgiveness. Would that fill your life up again and make you stop feeling so empty? Would it be safety? Would it be belonging? Would it be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, fullness, self-control? Would it be faith, hope and love? These are all things that God gives to us and gives in abundance and gives in the teeth of all the things that shred them and take them away. So we can have think of faith, hope and love. Um, those are things repeated through through the New Testament. God gives us faith as a gift, and so in the in the teeth of doubts and of opposition and of every reason not to believe, God gives us faith and fills up our hearts to have confidence in Him, to know that He really is the gate and that safety and life is through Him. Hope in the face of despair, even death, even cancer, and the darkness of depression. God gives us joy underneath all those things. Hope in the face of despair, because he's the shepherd who walks through us, who walks with us through that darkness. Faith and hope and love. He even pours enough love into our hearts to love our enemies. That's what he calls us to do. You see, Jesus fills up our lives. Even when they feel empty, even when it feels like everything is gone, we can sing that he is enough for us. That all I want is to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. In Psalm 84 that it would be enough for me just to have his presence. Can we finish with a psalm? This is a great place to finish. Psalm 16. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is our gate. The gate to safety, because safety is in his presence. The gate to life, because he is life and the source of all life and the bread of life and the light of life. And so, of course, he's going to be the gate through which we go to find that life. I wonder what gates you're pushing wonder if it's time to turn away from those other ways and turn to Jesus and try and try him out. Taste and see. Come and see if if when you come to that gate to Jesus, if he really will make you safe and fill up your life to overflowing. This is Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. You see, you love God and it spills out that you love other people as well. Those who run after other gods, who push other doors, will suffer more and more. I will not pour out sacrifices to such gods or take their names on my lips. I'm done with other doors. Can you say that? Lord, you alone are my portion of my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest, rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life and fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Lord Jesus, you are the gate. The gate's to true safety, even through death. The gate's to true fullness of life in the teeth of everything in this world that seems to empty us out. Lord Jesus, would you fill us up with life to the full as you promised to bring? Would you bring us in, pack to Eden, into your presence that we might be safe through everything? Lord, would you bring us to yourself, to the true gate. Help us to turn away from other places we're looking for all these things. Lord, some of them are good, some of them are rotten. All of them will disappoint us in the end, except you. So Lord, you are the gate. Lead us to yourself, we pray, and, and open as we knock and ask and seek. Lord, would you open the door and answer and come to us and make us safe and give us life, we pray. Amen.